Bibles up to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter 6. I'm going to preach on victorious Christian living as Paul uh, has been expounding in Romans chapter 5, uh, really 4 and 5, probably all the way back to chapter 3, I don't recall at this point, about justification. It over and over again, and uh, and here in Romans chapter six, uh, understand that there were no chapter breaks when Paul wrote it. He didn't stop and pause and say chapter six, but it was one fluid thought, and so he continues. But he kind of turns at this point and uh, and starts to uh, explain a victorious Christian living and sanctification. A lot of people say, uh, you know, he goes from justification, which is our sins being washed away. To sanctification, that would be us being set aside for the service of God. And, and, uh, and he starts out here in verses 1, Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. And let's stop right there and let's pray before we get into the message. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word, Father, that we can look at, that we can study, that we can learn from. And God, I pray that uh, as we as we look at Romans chapter 6 tonight. Father, I pray that you'd give us understanding. I pray, Father, that you'd help us to be able to grasp the truths that are written here. And God, help us to apply it to our life. For God, that we can have victorious Christian living uh, in our daily lives. God, I pray that you would again use me and speak through me. Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, uh, he, he starts right out with the question. He says, how shall or what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And, uh, and he's quick to answer it. In verse 2, he says, God forbid. In other words, uh, what he is saying is, he's saying, listen, that's crazy, but there are some people who would think, well, because my sins are all taken care of, man, I'm free to, I'm free to live any way I want. And I can li- indulge in the flesh and in any sin that I want because after all, hey, we are justified. And, uh, and so Paul's, Paul's quick to jump on that and say, uh, listen, if that's what you're thinking, he says, God forbid. No, that is not right. Let me give you an illustration. That's just like uh, something that we can maybe uh, uh, relate to. uh, And that is uh, if somebody were to go out and to live a very lavish lifestyle... And, and, and have a bunch of debt. They're, man, I am telling you, they're, uh, they're out there eating steak dinners every night and, and they are living it up. And, uh, you know, they buy a, buy a big old car and a big house. And, and, uh, and man, they're, they're new clothes every week and uh, new shoes and all the jewelry. And, I mean, they are decked out, but they are over their head. They're, I was going to say they're up, up to their ears in debt. No, they're over their head. I mean, they are in over their head and there is financially no way for them to recover. Now, for some of us, we're like, how on earth? Some people do that. I'm not kidding you. Um, and and, and they, they'll land themselves in a problem like that. But then it would be like somebody coming along, a billionaire, and saying, listen, all right, you messed up in your life. This guy's he's realized that, man, he's, he's over, in over his head. And this billionaire says, I tell you what, 
I'm going to pay all of your debts. And I'm going to cover everything. And not only that, but I'm going to give you 100000 to start you off with a clean slate. And, and that person saying, wow, man. And you're saying, where is this billionaire and what's his number, right? And, uh, and you're saying, man, and that guy's like, his eyes are, he's like, wow. And then the billionaire drops the bomb on him. However, this money is not so that you can go out and live your lavish lifestyle and live unrestrained as you want and wind up back in debt as you were before. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, the majority of the people, and this is, this is truth, uh, the majority of the people who win the lottery within, within just a few short years, they're bankrupt again. Because when you're given that kind of financial gain, and, and really, in essence, that's kind of our illustration, is that their, white, their debt is all wiped clean, and they're like, man, I've got all this money. But then they end up bankrupting themselves again. Why? Because of this thought right here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And their mindset is, man, I've got all this money. I just won the, the lottery. Uh, man, I can, I, I can live completely unrestrained. And that was the problem before. They were living unrestrained and buying everything. And afterwards, they find themselves in the same predicament as they were before because they don't know how to handle it. And Paul is saying, listen, uh, the mindset for the Christian, because he knows human nature, is not that, well, because we have uh, righteousness or we have been justified, that we can go and live and indulge in any sin and in any way that we would like. He says, no, that is certainly not what we are to do. And, uh, and there's no doubt that salvation is a life-changing uh, experience. There's no doubt about it. If you, if you got saved later in life, and I've talked to enough people uh, who have been saved later in life, uh, and they know what it's like to live in sin, and they know what it's like to have their life all tangled up and all messed up in sin, and they know what a great relief and what a great burden it is when that sin has been forgiven from God. I mean, they know that. And to them, they're like, man, what a, what a relief. Some people, uh, many times church, people who grow up in church, I'll say it that way, uh, as myself, and we get saved at a young age. Listen, we, we did not have the time to go out and indulge in sin as much as other people, but it does not mean that our debts were removed less. Uh, it's just that we don't really understand uh, the, the, the great weight of that sin on our shoulders. Uh, we just simply have not had the time to indulge as much. And you ought to thank God for that. Um, the, the lack of understanding on that side is probably far better than having indulged in understanding the weight of that sin, to be honest with you. And, and so, uh, so it's a life-changing experience having that salvation and being relieved from that debt of sin. But then God also says, hey, I expect you to live a right and holy life. 
It's not that that debt has been wiped free so that we can go out and, and, and indulge in any sort of lifestyle that we want to. That's not the purpose of salvation. And he wants us to understand that, and that's what he describes here in, in Romans chapter number 6. J. Vernon McGee put it this way, uh, looking at justification and, and sanctification. He said, justification took place the moment you trusted Christ. You were declared righteous. The guilty was removed. When, or the guilt, I'm sorry. The guilt was removed. When, then God began to a work in you that will continue throughout your life. I believe in instantaneous salvation. But sanctification is a lifelong process. In other words, justification is the means, sanctification is the end. Justification is for us, sanctification is in us. Justification declares the sinner righteous, sanctification makes the sinner righteous. Justification removes the guilt and penalty of sin, sanctification removes the growth and the power of sin. And when you got saved, uh, listen, it's true that all your debt was, was, was taken away and all of your sin debt was covered. Uh, but listen, the next morning when you woke up, you know what? You still face the same temptations. You still have the same difficulty uh, in that, that day by day as you live your life, uh, hey, you're going to be confronted with temptation. There's things that, going, that are going to pop up in your life that you have to deal with. And so that, this is the aspect that Paul is dealing with. He's dealing with now not the, uh, the doctrinal place of salvation, of justification, but rather with our life as we live it day to day. And in verses 1 through 5 here, we can see the, uh, the reality of our death with Christ. The reality of our death with Christ. Look with me there in verses 1. Or verse, we, are, we read verse 1 and 2. Let's go to 3. He says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. In verses 1 and 2, he declares very clearly, as we've looked at it, the truth of our, our, our death to sin. He says there in verse number 2, he says, God forbid, and then he goes on, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And, uh, and we've already looked at the idea, hey, that's a, uh, a, a very carnal way of thinking. Well, if my sins have all been forgiven, then I can go and live any way I want. That's a very carnal mindset. And by the way, as a Christian, you can go live any way you want, but I can promise you this, you will not be happy. You go live in the world and you go act like the world and you, you will be miserable. You'll probably, no, there's probably no doubt about it, you will be more miserable than a worldly lost person who has no guilty conscience and does not have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them to constantly tell them you are wrong. 
And so as a Christian, when you wander off and you say, I'm going to live any way I want to, you can and, you, and people have done that. But I can promise you the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you and every single day He is pressing you saying, this is not right. This is not right. You know it's not right. And you become, it becomes very difficult even to live with yourself because of that. And so uh, we find the truth of it, that, hey, uh, we, are, we ought to be dead to sin. That's a truth that He gives us. And listen, we ought to live a righteous life. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.15, the Bible says, uh, But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And God does expect the Christian to live a holy life. And the fact of the matter is, He expects us to to count ourselves as dead to sin. Because positionally, hey listen, He died on the cross. And and, and with that, the Bible says very clearly uh, that we are dead to sin. He paid that price and He conquered that death. Uh, And He conquered... Death, hell, sin, and the grave. And so we find that uh, there's the truth of it. The truth is that, hey, we're dead to sin. The triumph of it, in verses 3 through 5, as we look at this, he says, Know ye not that so many of us are, were, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. And, uh, and this baptism is not the act of being water baptized, uh, listen, we know and we understand that, that water baptism does not save us. And so as we read this, uh, what does the word baptize mean? Well, the, bap- the word baptize means the same thing it's always mean. It means immersion. By the way, that's why we don't sprinkle, because throughout the Bible, uh, it is being immersed in uh, into water. And so if we understand that's what the word baptized means, it says, Know ye not that so many of us, as were immersed or baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized or immersed into His death. And so understand uh, that, listen, this is not a, a, a super... Um, Verse that says, well, baptism means more. Baptism is a symbol. It's an ordinance from God. And it means it's showing, it pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It does not do anything. Uh, It it does not uh, give us the the new birth. It does not give us the Holy Spirit. Uh, And so this verse is very clear that it's illustrating, hey, that this is a, a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But baptism does not save anyone. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. Save your spot here and we'll see a good illustration of this. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And we'll see a, 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 the way this word baptized can be used. Many times, when, most of the time when the word baptism is used in the Bible, it is talking about physical immersion into water. Uh, and, and oftentimes that's what it's referring to, but there are times when it is not. And here's one in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, in verse number 1. Paul is giving an illustration. And he says this, in 1 Corinthians 10:1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant 
how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. Let me stop right here and explain what he's talking about. What is this under the cloud and what is this passed under the sea? He's going through a historical event when the nation of Israel was brought out of the slavery of Egypt. And you remember that that cloud dwelt with with Israel during the daytime and a flaming fire by night, and they passed through the sea. Uh, And listen, they would have walked down in. Now, God had divided the waters out, so they were on either side, and they walked across on dry land, but the water would have been over their heads. Now, I don't know how they show on, uh, I think it's Hollywood has a, you know, they show the picture of walls of water. And maybe God did it that way. I don't know. But I I just, it would have been awesome to be there. And I hope, I hope I get a replay when I'm in heaven. I want to see that. Uh, Not because I don't believe it. I just think it's an incredible thing to behold uh, the sea being open. And I mean, you're walking down in and these waters are over your head. And you're looking, you're saying, man, I didn't realize it was so deep down here. And, uh, and so they walked through. So here's, this is what he's recounting, that they were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. In verse number 2, in 1 Corinthians 10, 2, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, that and that rock was Christ. Now he's giving an illustration here, and he's saying, listen, just as, uh, as Israel was baptized, uh, and that they went under the sea. Uh, now listen, they physically did not get wet. The Bible tells us that they crossed on dry ground. But it's an illustration, and it's a showing of, hey, passing through water, like baptism, and, and therefore he uses this as a, as a figurative way of speaking. And in, in Romans 6, it is the same idea, know ye not, back in Romans 6 and verse 3, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. And that, listen, we were immersed in the, the death uh, and burial of Jesus Christ. And that's part of our salvation. And that's not part of our physical baptism. And so we need to understand that. And then he goes on in verse number 4, and he says this, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, uh, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And the reality is, hey, listen, Jesus Christ died on the cross and He paid for our sin debt. And listen, to that the Bible says that we ought to die, we ought to be dead to sin. He says later on that we ought to reckon ourselves, and we'll look at that not this week but another week uh, going forward. But he says here in verse number 4 that we are to walk in newness of life. You know what that tells me? that God expects something different of us than what we had before. Our life ought to change. Justification changes all of our past, wipes away all of our sin. Sanctification says, hey, going forward, our life should be different than it used to be. And, uh, And that's important for us to understand. This is the reality of our death with Christ. Not only that, but I want you to see in verses 6 and 7, the reason for our death with Christ. Look with me in verse number 6. He says this, Knowing this, 
that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. The reason for our death with Christ is because of sin's stronghold in life. Uh, there's no doubt that, listen, before we were saved, uh, listen, sin had a grasp on your life. And maybe if you got saved at a younger age, uh, hey, praise the Lord, you didn't get to go out and, and, and experience a lot of the uh, wickedness that's in the world. And that's something to praise the Lord about. But, but had you, listen, you would have been bound to sin. You would have fallen off the same, you'd have followed the same path that every lost worldly person has traveled. The Bible says, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Narrow is the way to salvation. And listen, there's the, the broad way is full of people that are, that are doing their own thing and living their own life and doing what they want and sometimes doing what they feel is best or how they think is best, but, but it's not salvation. And that, uh, listen, there is a stronghold uh, of sin in their life. That's why he said, listen, in verse number six at the, the first part, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. And our old man ought to be put off. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.22, we looked at this in the adult Sunday school class, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. In other words, that, hey, we are to take the old man. Uh, listen, maybe it's like this suit jacket. And you say, well, listen, our old man desired to do this, but hey, the Bible says we are to take it off and put it aside and we're to put on a new man. And we're to walk in a new lifestyle. And listen, that comes with, uh, that comes with practice. That comes with time. That comes with uh, being subject to the Spirit of God. We're going through in the adult Sunday school class the fruit of the Spirit. And listen, it is utter important, uh, it is necessary for us to submit ourselves to the Spirit of God. If you're going to have the, the fruits of the, the Spirit in our life, it's going to come not because you're a, a loving, patient, joyful, uh, kind, good person. It's going to come because you submit yourself to God. And you put off the works of the flesh, you put off the old man, and you put on the new man, and you submit yourself to God and say, God, help me to be loving, help me to be joyful, help me to be kind, help me to be long-suffering, help me to do these things. And it's God that produces those in our life. And so that, that stronghold of sin exists in our life, but it was crucified with Christ. The world does not have that. I read this this week. Crucifixion is a slow death in which the body holds onto life as long as it can. And he was equating that idea with, listen, your flesh is going to hold onto life as long as it can. But listen, there's coming a day when the body of sin will be destroyed. We'll either die and this body of sin will be cast off permanently. Uh, or listen, Jesus Christ will come back and we'll be called out of here. And listen, the Bible says that our body will be changed in instantly, Im immediately, in the twinkling of an eye. And praise the Lord uh, that this, this corruptible flesh shall put on incorruption. And so that body of sin will be destroyed. That's why Paul said this in Galatians 2.20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, uh, or but Christ liveth in me. 
He says, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we find that, uh, that listen, we need to put off that sin. Uh, it was crucified with Christ. Look at verse number 6, the second half. He says that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. He that is uh, dead is freed from sin. It was Paul who said, I die daily. In other words, hey, you've got to die to sin. You've got to say, it's not my desires. Uh, I don't want to serve sin, and I want to be uh, changed. I want to serve God with my life. And so Paul said, I die daily. In other words, that I would give up my sin. And so we find here uh, that that is the truth, and that's the reasoning uh, for our death and the, the, that needs to take place. Look with me at verse number 8. The Bible says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Watch this verse, 9. Death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, we acknowledge the victory of Jesus Christ. We, we celebrate Easter every year. We look forward to Easter. Why? Because uh, it bugs me. I, uh, the, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I cannot stand Halloween. You know why I can't stand it? Because of the death, the, the ghoul, the, the ghost, the, the darkness... That, that really is celebrated. That's what it is. Um, and I don't mind fall time, and, and I'll, there's a bunch of other stuff, but, but I, don't like, I don't like the celebration of death. In, in Peru, they used to celebrate, uh, it was called Carnival, uh, and we would know that as Mardi Gras. And, uh, and really, it came before Easter, and they would celebrate that as, as, as the, the deeds of the flesh and wickedness, and they actually uh, would celebrate all of that. And, and, and then he goes on, and, and listen, we look forward to Easter, you know why? Because we don't celebrate the death of Jesus Christ. Listen, the, uh, the, the Catholics, they celebrate the death of Jesus Christ. You know what we celebrate? We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that he was victorious over death, hell, and the grave. The fact that he rose again from the dead. That's where the Christians get power from. Not from his death. Yes, his death was necessary. He had to die on the cross. Yes, we, we are glad that he did die on the cross and he died a sacrificial death and he shed his blood on Calvary. But listen, we really celebrate because he rose again from that death. And he, he rose victoriously over that. That's what he's saying here in verse number 8 and 9. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Man, we can praise the Lord that he arose victorious never to die again. 
And listen, as a believer, hey, we've got that same thing. That listen, if we're saved, uh, you may die here on this earth if Jesus Christ doesn't come. But once you die here on this earth, you're done. There's no more death. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more suffering. There's no more sickness. There's no more sin. There, there's no more of that in heaven. And listen, we, are, we have a life uh, that is free from all of the pain and guilt of the past of sin. And that is because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What a, what a great truth that we have victory over it, not because of our works, but because that He rose again from the dead. And we can see that in verses 8 and 9, that He was victorious uh, over that death. Uh, I've often thought about, you know, some of the people that Jesus rose from the dead. I think of Lazarus. He's the most prominent one. And, uh, and he, he called Lazarus. Lazarus came out of that grave. And I think to myself, that poor fellow had to face death twice in his life. I mean, he died. He had to die again. And, uh, and some of the others, you know, that had died. And, and I, man, I, 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 you know, that's just not something I look forward to. I imagine Lazarus, uh, he, the Bible says that he was sick and, and, and nigh unto death. And, and he lied there, uh, probably knowing, well, I'm at death's door. And, and, and he died. And then Jesus brought him back to life. And I'm sure he was grateful for that. And I'm sure he was grateful for the time that he had. But, man, that poor fellow, he probably had to, he had to face it again. And I don't know, maybe God gave him grace and he just, you know, struck him dead with a heart attack and it was quick and easy and I don't know. But, uh, uh, but listen, Jesus Christ will never have to face death again. And us as believers, hey, we'll face death once if Jesus doesn't come back. But after that, hey, we'll never face death again because he was victorious. And because of the victory that Jesus had over death, hell, and the grave, we find in verse number 11, he says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead. There's that reckon. I thought it was further down in the text, but there it is. He says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. You know what that word reckon means? It means acknowledge. It means to uh, take into account. Hey, that we're, we're dead to sin. We don't have to. You do not have to fall prey to temptation. God said that He will make a way of escape for you. Now, we do. We do fall into temptation. We do sin. We're not perfect. Uh, and we're still reminded that we have this flesh on a regular basis but the truth of the matter is, we do have a way out. We do have an escape from that temptation. And there's been times in your life and there's been times in my life, hey, that we've gotten through temptation. We're like, man, praise the Lord. Thank you, God, for helping me through that and keeping me straight. Thank you for guarding my tongue. Thank you for guarding my thoughts. Thank you for guarding my actions. Thank you for guarding my, my hands or my feet and keeping me doing right. Uh, listen, the lost world does not have that. And we have that power and we have that ability because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he's saying, listen, reckon yourselves likewise dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, we're alive unto God. We're alive unto righteousness. And we have the option to live our life right with God. What a blessing as a believer that we have that. And that's the result 
of our death with Christ. That, hey, we may be dead to the flesh. We can die to the flesh. Uh, and Jesus said, deny yourselves and take up your cross and follow me. Hey, but we're alive unto God. And we can live right, and we can serve God, and we can do right. And we do that because of the power that Jesus Christ enables us and empowers us to live a right life. And so what a, uh, what a wonderful thought that Jesus Christ died. He covers all of that in those first uh, six or seven verses. But then he illustrates that, hey, because of that, we have the power to live right and do right. And so I hope and pray that that is a blessing and encouragement to you uh, as we think about, hey, we ought to live our life right. We ought to live righteous life, not in our own power, not in our own strength, um, but in God's strength, asking Him to help us and to strengthen us. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, Father, we thank You for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, what a blessing to know that because you rose from the dead and you were victorious over the grave and over hell and over death, God, that we would have victory even in our lives over sin. God, we don't have to live a life plagued by sin, plagued by wickedness in this world. But God, we have the ability to live a right life. God, I pray that you would strengthen each and every believer. Help them. Help me to live a right life, God, following your example and live in the power of your victory and in your strength. And God, will thank you for that. God, I pray that you would encourage each and every believer. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, God spoke into your heart this evening. The altar is open. Praise the Lord that we have the victory through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can live a victorious life. You don't have to live a life plagued by sin.